In this story, we have, with, without a shadow of a doubt, an answer to the question of why, why he was asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. It was to teach Abraham that God is faithful, that God does provide. We think that there was some test here for Abraham, that, that Abraham needed to prove himself to God. Well, what was far more important was for God to prove himself to Abraham. This weekend on the Songtime broadcast, we're continuing our study in the story of Abraham as we consider him as the forefather of our faith, when he teaches us about the steps of faith and the faithfulness of God. That message, one of my own from Genesis 22, coming up in just a moment. But first, we're going to be talking with my good friend Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs as we consider how to better pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in chains. Many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. This weekend is a special holiday. It's a holiday you're probably not going to find on your uh, regular federal holiday list on your calendar, but it certainly is something that is worth remembering. We're joined by Todd Nettleton, my friend, from Voice of the Martyrs, a ministry that wants to keep us informed about how to better pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in chains, while also telling us the stories of those who have died for their faith, and this weekend, celebrating the Day of the Christian Martyr. It's a great privilege to have him with us again today. Todd, thank you so much for being a part of the Many Voices for that one message. Thanks so much, Adam. It's always fun to be with you, and uh, I look forward to our conversations. Why don't you get us started by telling us about June 26th and the Day of the Christian Martyr. What is it, and what should our listeners be aware of? Well, Day of the Christian Martyr is a day really to think about Christians who gave everything for the cause of Christ. You know, we have uh, International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians in the fall, in November, where we're praying for those who, who are still suffering, who are still going through that persecution and that suffering. Day of the Christian Martyr is a little different, because obviously for a martyr, their suffering is over. They're, they've gone on to eternity. They've gone on to their reward. Uh, and so it is not a day of uh, sort of hero worship, but it's a day of hopefully contemplating what is it worth? What is it worth to share the gospel? What is it worth to see my neighborhood reached for Christ? What is it worth to see the nations reached for Christ? And so each year we hold up the example of somebody who said it's worth everything. It's worth my life to make that happen. This year we're talking about uh, John Chow, the young man who went to North Sentinel Island in 2018. Uh, he was killed literally within hours of arriving on the beach there. It's interesting because some of the past years on Day of the Christian Martyr, we've told the story of someone that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, and so it's somebody completely unknown. John Chow is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. When his case happened, the story was told all over the world. There, there was a, There's a story in GQ about John Chow going to North Sentinel Island. There were stories on NBC News all over the world However, a lot of those stories really missed the mark. They, they missed the story. The, the presentation was, oh, here's this young man, completely unprepared. He just sort of woke up that morning and decided to go to North Sentinel Island. Um, we get to tell the story of a young man who God called him as a teenager, and every decision he made for nine years was focused on being prepared, getting ready to go to that island, 
to live among the people, to learn their language, to be able to share the gospel. And when I say every decision, I mean literally right down to all through college, John took cold showers because he said, hey, when I get to the island, I'm not going to have a hot water heater. I, I need to get my body prepared for cold showers. He had LASIK surgery on his eyes because he said, when I'm on the island with no running water, how, are my, how am I going to have contact lenses? That's not going to work. So when I say every decision, I, I mean every single decision that he made was with an eye towards, I'm going to land on that beach. I need to, to know how to interact with the people. I need to know how to learn their language, and I need to know how to share the gospel with them. That's why we're, we're telling this story this year for Day of the Christian Martyrs, really to hopefully tell the true story and open people's eyes to, to the example that John left us of faithfulness. It's a really interesting story and one that I think a lot of people probably don't have the full perspective on because what we see in the mainstream media is really a slanted story that tried to malign uh, what he was trying to accomplish. And uh, that, if you're only getting one side of the story, you're not getting the true story. And that's what I'm so thankful about Voice of the Martyrs is uh, they give the true perspective, especially from a Christian point of view, what uh, what these missionaries and those martyred are trying to do for the sake of the kingdom. Kingdom of God. Yeah, the, the mainstream media, and you, you kind of understand this. If, if you're not a believer and someone goes to a, a far-off island where it's it's not a tourist island, there, there's nothing there. The people uh, are, are dangerous. They have killed outsiders before. To a, to a secular person, to a non-believer, that does look foolish, uh, which is, you know, the Bible says <laughs> we're going to look foolish. Uh, the, the wisdom of men or the, or the wisdom of God is so far advanced, and the wisdom of men the, is foolishness and uh, all of those things. So that part of the story, I think, is understandable. The, the real concern for us here at Voice of the Martyrs, and one of the reasons we really want to challenge people with John's story is there were some in the church that kind of said that too, like, hey, we should leave those people alone. Hey, you know, they're they're living on that island. Why would you, you know, why would you risk everything to go there? Uh, they're they're probably pretty happy. We should just leave them well enough alone. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. That that call hasn't expired. That call didn't go away if if you live on an island and you're isolated from the rest of the world. Jesus said, go into all the world. And so the real sad thing, and as I have talked to the missions agency that sent John, I've talked to some of his friends, people who helped train him, that is what has really been sad to them, is is the criticism of John that came from within the church, within Christian circles, who said, why would he do that? Why would he go there? Why would he risk his life? Well, he would do that because that's what Jesus called us to do. What is the value of spending so much time? You've already kind of covered this a little bit, but uh, what's the value of spending time thinking about those who have already gone and died for our faith? Uh, I'm thinking of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, uh, wherefore seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. It's not just those in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. It's also those in our present day who have demonstrated by their faith and their love for God what it truly means to be a disciple. It is what we're all called to do, and I think that's really the value of it, is just to look at these examples. And I think, you know, in, in my own personal story, my, my father, as when my brother and I were very young, my dad would read us missionary biographies. 
Uh, and he read us, you know, Bruchko by Bruce Olson and Lords of the Earth by Don Richardson and some of those uh, amazing missionary stories. And we, in some ways, idolized those missionaries. Like, we thought that was really cool. If, if you would grow up and be a missionary— that that was a great thing. Like like if God allowed you to do that, boy, there's adventure there, there's excitement there, there there's danger, all those things that in a young boy you're like, wow, that that would be really cool to do that. We need a little bit of that in the church as we see those who were willing to give their lives for Christ. We need to to kind of be inspired by their example. We need to say, wow, you know. God has honored that person by allowing them this pathway, by choosing them for this pathway. And the other thing is just understanding the value of the gospel. John Chow would say it was 100% worth it to go to that island, even though he was only there a a couple of hours. He would say it was 100% worth it because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth my life even if I don't get to live that long, even if I don't get to learn the language, I don't get to share the gospel, Jesus is worth it. We need to be inspired by that example and reminded that, you know, whatever it costs us, and in our culture, it may cost us a little bit of embarrassment, it may cost us an awkward conversation, maybe it costs us a friendship or a relationship in our family, it's probably not going to cost us our life, it's probably not going to cost us our livelihood. Uh, we need to understand that even if it did, Jesus is worth that. We've been talking with my friend Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs, a ministry that helps us stay informed about how to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are suffering in chains, but also helps us to take perspective as we consider the the sacrifice that others have made for our faith, those martyrs, those who have died, to continue to spread the gospel, to to empower others with the, the boldness of the gospel message. If you want to find out more information about the Day of the Christian Martyr, you can find out more on their website at persecution.com, or you can give us a call 508-362-7070, or head over to our website at songtime.com. Well, today we are continuing in this series as we've been looking at the story of Abraham and breaking it down into four different parts. This weekend, we look at Genesis chapter 22. It's one of my messages that I'm sharing with you today on on what it really means to have Abraham, the various steps of his faith that prove ultimately to us the faithfulness of God. This is crucial as we see that Abraham is finally being tested, but what is ultimately being revealed to him is the faithfulness of God, who is always going to be there to provide for us, uh, to fulfill his promises. Here is my message again from Genesis 22. What if God asked you to step out in faith, to leave everything you're familiar with, and to come and follow him? That's essentially what happened in the story with Abraham. Abraham was told to leave his family, leave his country, leave everything, and to go to a land that God would direct him. The story of Abraham gives us a little insight into a great picture of salvation. But with it comes the questions, what will it cost and how do we get it? Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, 
And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. A pretty strange request. Abraham has just been asked to kill his son. Do you understand the severity of this request? Does it cause you to recoil in some way? After waiting on God for 25 years, going through all of the circumstances, all of the struggles, hopefully learning some lessons along the way, now, after God has finally given him what his heart so longed for and desired, God says, take your son and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Why would God make such a strange request? There's a bit of a hint it's found here in this phrase. It says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Now, there's no problem with loving your children, but love out of place can have drastic consequences. I can't read through this story without being reminded of A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God in his second chapter, The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing. In it, he recounts the story of Abraham and his relationship with Isaac. He says, Abraham was old when Isaac was born, and the child became at once the delight and idol of his heart. The baby represented everything sacred to his father's heart, the promise of God, the covenants, the hopes of the years, and the long messianic dream. The heart of the old man was knit closer and closer with the life of his son, till at last the relationship bordered upon perilous. It was then that God stepped in to save both father and son from the consequences of an uncleansed love. It's not wrong to love the gifts that God has given to us, to love our family, to love our spouse, but to find that love to be the most important thing leaves us in a very dangerous spot, loving things out of order. By loving God, we are not withholding any love from others. In fact, if we don't love God, we cannot truly love others. But if you don't love God first, there won't be enough room for Him. And while we can see in, in Abraham that he clearly had a, a misplaced love for his son, there is something far more damning in this context that we have to understand. Idolatry is not just loving things out of order. False gods don't need your love. They need your hope. They need your trust. Idols are simply totems of our faith. And in this context for Abraham, Isaac had become the object of his faith. And he started to look at Isaac to fulfill everything that God said he would do. As God is telling Abraham to go and to take his son, he tells him, go to the land of Moriah and offer him a burnt offering as one on the mountain of which I shall tell you. This actually ties us in to the initial call on Abraham's life, where God told him to go to a land where I will direct you. There's a clear parallel here. He's calling Abraham back to faith. James tells us that we should rejoice when we're being tested, for the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. Romans 6 tells us, similarly, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So the clear answer that we have here as to why God is doing this in a man who has been so faithfully following God for so many years, the answer is that God has not given up on Abraham, and God is helping Abraham to grow in his faith. He is producing in Abraham character, hope, and faith. 
As Abraham steps out in faith, he, he rises early in the morning. He goes out to do what God has called him to do. They get to the mountain. They leave their servants behind. And as they're starting their way up the mountain, Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. When he's saying God will provide, he's declaring the truth of God's promises. Certainly he's answering Isaac, because Isaac's the one who asked the question. But you know that he's saying this to his own heart. He's preaching to himself the message he'd so desperately needed to cling to in that time of trial, in that time of testing. And so when we go through trials, what do we need to do? We preach the gospel to ourselves. God is faithful in the midst of the storm. God will provide. When they get to the mountain, he placed his son on the altar. And in this moment, our hearts are knit with him. Will he do what God has asked him to do? Should he do what God has asked him to do? But we're spared from the horror because in that moment, we see that God speaks, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. In this story, we have, with, without a shadow of a doubt, an answer to the question of why, why he was asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. It was to teach Abraham that God is faithful, that God does provide. We think that there was some test here for Abraham, that, that Abraham needed to prove himself to God. But what was far more important was for God to prove himself to Abraham. We know then that Isaac was not the Savior of the world, but it is through Isaac that we are introduced to the one that this story so beautifully captures and parallels, the story of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. What did this story tell us? Isaac, his only son, his son whom he loved, and he came for a reason. He came to die. He came to suffer, but he wasn't spared in the final hour. He became the ram in the thicket, the lamb of God, the substitutionary atonement for our sins. Behind all of this story is a question, two questions. What does salvation cost? It costs a life, the life of Jesus Christ. But how do we get it? By looking to Jesus, to trusting that that sacrifice was sufficient for our sins, and you will be saved. Father, we thank you for your word gives us this hope. It reminds us of what Christ has done for us. Lord, may that be a reminder for us always to trust in you, to trust in Christ, to trust that you will provide because you have provided in your Son, Jesus Christ. May we live as people marked by this faith. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the components that I think is absolutely so important to the story of Abraham is considering that although Abraham made a lot of mistakes, he stumbled and fell so many times. All that we saw that all the way at the beginning, you know, two great steps. He followed God, he went to the land of Canaan, and he called on the name of the Lord. Those are the two very essential, basic steps of faith. But right after that, he fled to Egypt, he lied about Sarah, his wife being his sister, and he took money, he took, uh, he took basically goods from Pharaoh in exchange for his wife. Uh, two steps forward, three steps back. And isn't that the case? As far as we try to advance in our own walk with God, is the, the more we try to do on our own effort, the more we end up failing. 
and falling flat on our face, but maybe that's where we all belong. Worshiping God, acknowledging that he, he is in control of all things and we can trust him, we can lean on him, and we can rest in his promises. Ultimately, what Abraham is proving to us is that the size of the faith is not the question because Abraham did not have a great deal of faith. He had faith, but it was the object of his faith that makes all of the difference. That's why when Jesus teaches about faith the size of a mustard seed, he's not talking about how to muster up a little more faith, uh, pun intended. He's trying to teach us that it's not the size of our faith, but the one we are putting our faith in that has the power to move mountains. So trust in God, believe in him, follow him and be obedient to his calling, and he will make your path straight. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will not let you stumble. He will hold you up, and you will be able to lean and trust in him. This is a call to have true faith in God. It doesn't always have to have all the answers. It doesn't have to have all of the, uh, the clarity that we have with perspective. It just needs to have the obedience that is required in stepping in faith. I hope that we've been able to encourage you. If we have, we would love to hear from you. I know that this is a difficult time, especially with what's happening in our world today with all of the uh, economics and, and the cost of everything going up. But uh, when you're starting to suffer, can you just keep in mind the various ministries that you love and support and that you've, you've been blessed by? Uh, that they suffer as well. Uh, we are all in the same boat. We're all being uh, challenged by uh, the economy. Can you consider uh, ways in which God has blessed you that you would be a blessing to us? Maybe return uh, a word of prayer, a, a gift, uh, whatever you can do, we would greatly appreciate it. Write into us at Songtime Radio, PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call, 508 362 7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Romans 4, 1 through 3. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness.